and this is what's happening on the hill. Have you checked out our website lately? We have so many exciting things coming up on the hill in the winter and spring months. It's a lot to keep up with, so we suggest that you check out our website to get signed up and involved. Don't forget, we're running out of time if you want to sign up for our next Financial Peace University class. It's going to begin on January 26th. It runs for nine weeks. And to get signed up, remember, check out our website, click on the Adults tab, and get the information that you need. Speaking of signing up, I'm here in the back of our worship center at the sign-up wall. If you haven't been here before, now's a great time to stop by because we have an epic weekend coming up in February. Guys, listen closely. Friday, February 10th, we have our annual Daddy-Daughter Dance. It's $25 per family, and the proceeds go to our Guatemala Mission Team. And on Saturday, February 11th, we have a Valentine's dinner that's $20 a couple. We have childcare, dinner, and entertainment. Make sure you check up the sign-up wall because you don't want to miss out. Dance classes start on Tuesday. Sign up on our website. I know it's January. I know you've made resolutions. I know we all want to lose weight, but we have an Italian meal coming up this week on Thursday night at 6 o'clock before service and on Sunday after first and second service. All donations will benefit our Guatemala mission team. We're all about being a community of changed lives here at Shelby Christian, and we want to celebrate with Donna Pearson and her family as she made the decision to be baptized last weekend. Congratulations, Donna. If you're visiting with us today, thank you so much for coming. Please stop by our I'm New wall so you can grab a gift and learn how to get connected. And if you're not new and you want to stop by and say hey, that's cool too. Church, we're glad you're here. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to worship, but first, would you just say hey to a couple people around you? Tell them you're glad they're here this morning, and we invite you to sing along. Let's sing this together. Come on. I saw Satan fall like lightning. I saw darkness run full cover. But the miracle that I just can't get over. My name is registered in heaven. I believe. I believe in signs and wonders. Resurrection power Still the miracle that I just can't get over My name is registered in heaven Yes, my place belongs to you forever This is my testimony From death to life His grace rewrote my story Sing the praises of the Spirit. 
you to lift your hands to heaven it's a simple posture of worship to say Jesus I give my all I surrender my life to you no matter the cost let's lift this together church sing I lift my hands up lay my life down and I lift my hands up lay my whole life down my whole life down before you I lift my hands up lay my whole here. This is my mama. Yes, some of us still say mama. Rose Broughton. <laughs> I'm Willie. She's uh, one of the most loving, caring people you'll ever know. She's I'm the oldest of five siblings, if that tells you anything, so she's been through it. Uh, last few years, she's been taking care of my dad, who's fought several illnesses. We lost him two years back in September. 
She started coming to the hill with us after that. Today she's here to take the next step. So I want you to repeat after me. I believe. I believe. That Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of God. The Son. Son of God. The Son of God. And I accept Him as my Lord and Savior. And I accept Him as my Lord and Savior. Your Father. And with that confession, I now baptize you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. (laughs) You gotta get under there, Mama. morning church i'm bobby woods the discipleship pastor here this morning dave's going to continue our series on uh, seven churches in revelation and this morning is the church of pergium the church of pergium had a problem with compromise now compromise in a marriage is an essential thing but compromise in your faith isn't see there's some people out there think they can look at faith like a salad bar or a chinese buffet you go through it and just pick out what you want and you don't have to worry with the rest of it. Well, I'm here to tell you our faith in this church believes in the Bible, the whole Bible, not just parts of it. You can't just pick and choose. You have to take the whole thing. And the problem is that compromise is simply changing the question to fit the answer. And unfortunately, so many people in our world today do just that. They look at the Bible and they say, oh, Adam and Eve couldn't have been real. Oh, Noah couldn't have been real. Oh, David couldn't have fought no Goliath. Jesus didn't die and rise again on the third day. Well, I'm here to tell you the Bible is correct. All of it. And this morning we celebrate communion because we remind ourselves of that great sacrifice that Jesus gave himself upon the cross for us. So around the room we have little communion stations. You just pick up your two little cups. One has a piece of bread in the bottom, the juice on top. Reminds us of the body of Christ in the bread that he broke that night. And he said, take this, eat, it is my body. Then he took that cup. He took the cup and he said, this is the blood of my covenant to you. So as often as you drink of it, we remember him. So this morning, I pray and hope that you aren't compromising on your faith. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just praise you this morning. We give you all the glory give you all the praise for you deserve all of it and this morning we come and we ask that your Holy Spirit would just fall upon this room that you would continue to anoint the worship team and that you would anoint Pastor Dave as he comes and shares the message with us this morning that you've given him Father we don't want to be a people of compromise we want to be a people of faith we want to believe Father And for some of us, we ask that you help us with that belief. But 
Father, this morning, we thank you for the ultimate sacrifice you gave in your son, Jesus Christ. It is in his precious name we pray.
team say a special thanks to Taylor Todd's son Taylor and their southeast for letting us borrow for the weekend uh, thanks a lot and our team is so awesome man I'm glad you guys are here today God is doing so many cool things on the hill it's been an amazing year so far already and we're in week three or four whatever it is don't even count that first one New Year's Day that, that's kind of a, out, out there but man it's been an awesome week uh, year and God is doing so many cool things hey some of you told me that you were here the last two weeks when Jason and I did first and uh, first step uh, in the first two sermons and you forgot to get one of these and sign it well here they are all right if you wanted I uh, wanted to sign one of the membership covenants they're right there you can grab those just wanted to let you guys know we've had almost 20 new members already this year that was the seventh baptism God is doing incredible incredible stuff and I'm glad you guys are here just I want you to think of it like a wave though okay and now I, I don't know how many how many surfers we have in central Kentucky but just imagine all right if you would that you're trying to catch the big wave I mean the big big wave now if you're out there and you're paddling and you see it coming you can either get on top of it and you can ride the wave or you can let it go under you and miss the wave and that's no fun but the worst thing would be 
if you get buried by the wave. We don't want to get buried by the wave. We want to be ready to ride the wave, but we also want to make sure that we don't create any waves ourselves. So here, I'm going to ask you guys a favor, all right? When we get done today, when I get done preaching and we get done, the band comes back out, don't go that way until service is over, okay? Because we're inviting people to the most important decision they've ever made in their life, and that is to come this way and to either ask for prayer or to make the same decision that we just saw made already this morning. So what we don't need is we don't need to run interference from people headed that way while other people need to be coming this way, all right? So no wave that way, just wave this way, all right? I think here's what I need you to do today, though, okay, ready? Here's what I really need you to do, all right? I told you to imagine a wave, now I want to put you on an airplane. You know, you get on an airplane, the stewardess comes out in the front, you know, before you take off and gives you all the instructions. First one is, she says, you know, tells you how to buckle your seat belt. And I'm always thinking, every time I get to that part in the, in the, I'm thinking, if you have to explain how to buckle the seatbelt, how did they even get to this part on the plane in the first place? Anyway, anyway, you might want to buckle your seatbelt today. I'm just saying, all right? I'm just saying you might want to buckle your seatbelt, get to where you can hold on, because we got to dig into some stuff today. Bobby already told you we're talking about compromise, all right? The other, th- the other thing that they say is, you know, get your oxygen mask on first, because you can't help anybody else if you're not uh, conscious yourself. So let some of this stuff sink in before we start pointing fingers. And let's figure out what God wants to teach us as we continue on this journey. Today is kind of a a special Sunday um, because around the country anyway, it's known as Sanctity of Life Sunday. It goes along with a a prayer to uh, completely abolish the Roe v. Wade decision to legalize abortion. And we know a lot of stuff went in a positive direction this last fall, um, but there's still battles to be won. But here's the deal. Here's the deal, guys. Just listen to my heart for a second. All right, we need to take that stand. But I want you, here's where you need to buckle the seatbelt, all right? If we're going to take a stand against abortion, we need to do some obviously. We need to pray that it would stop. We need to pray for women that have already made that decision and are eaten alive by guilt because of that. And praise God, we have some ladies at our church that have a ministry just for women in that, find themselves in that situation. Third thing we need, all right? We need a house. We need a house. I, you don't ask if you, you don't get if you don't ask. We need a house. We've been praying for a house for what? We need a place that if there's young women that want to keep that baby and not get rid of that baby and don't have a place to go live, we need a house. All right? So if you know somebody that's got a house, I know a couple of nonprofits that would gladly take one, all right, and give them tax credit for that so that we could have a place that we could take care of women uh, that need the help not to make that decision. And then here's the big big ask. If we're going to abolish abortion, we need some Christian people to step up and adopt some kids. If they come onto the planet and mom can't take care of them, dad don't have anybody in the family, we need some, we need families that'll step up and adopt some kids like Tony Dungy and his wife did and so many others have done. So we need that, all right? And so that's it. That's it. Uh, Sanctity of Life, and it goes right with this sermon because it's all about compromise. I want you to listen to this letter, or not a letter, it's actually, it was a prayer. I just have it in writing. It was a prayer that was prayed 27 years ago this week at the open 
opening session of the Kansas State Senate. A guy named Joe Wright, who is a friend of mine, he's passed away now, but he used to live in Lexington and sing in the Gospel Couriers. Then he went into ministry, got a church. He actually preached in Louisville at Oklahoma Christian Church for a while. And while he was there, became good friends with Bob Russell. And Bob wrote this prayer and gave Joe permission to use it at the Kansas State Senate. Listen to what Joe prayed as he opened their Senate session. Heavenly Father, we come before you today to ask your forgiveness and seek your direction and guidance. We know your word says, woe on those who call evil good, but that's exactly what we have done. We have lost our spiritual equilibrium and inverted our values. We confess that. We ridiculed the absolute truth of your word and called it pluralism. That we have worshipped other gods and called it multiculturalism. That we have endorsed perversion and called it an alternative lifestyle. That we have exploited the poor and called it the lottery. That we have neglected the needy and called it self-preservation. That we have rewarded laziness and called it welfare. That we have killed our unborn and called it choice. That we have then shot abortionists and called it justifiable. We have neglected to discipline our children and called it building self-esteem. We have abused power and called it political savvy. We have coveted our neighbor's possessions and called it ambition. We have polluted the air with profanity and pornography and called it freedom of expression. We have ridiculed the time-honored values of our forefathers and called it enlightenment. And he said, search us, O God, and know our hearts today. Cleanse us from every sin and set us free guide and bless these men and women who have been sent here by the people of Kansas who have been ordained by you to govern this great state grant them the wisdom to rule and may their decisions direct us to the center of your will I ask this in the name of your son the living savior Jesus Christ amen not a bad way to start a session uh, in a capitol building but at the end of it at the end of the prayer as you might imagine some cheered but some booed, some praised, some actually cussed and criticized and yelled out. Some heard Joe Wright's words and some heard God's word. Some agreed and some compromised. But it's been going on since the very beginning of time. You see, in the Garden of Eden, Satan didn't ask even Adam to to murder or to commit adultery or to steal. He asked them, he challenged them to question God and then to compromise. The overwhelming majority of sin starts with compromise. In Numbers chapter 22 in the Old Testament, there is a there's an interesting story about two guys. One guy is a king, his name is Balak. Another guy is a, is a wannabe prophet, his name is Balaam. You might remember as a little kid, if you went to children's church or vacation Bible school, Balaam's the guy with the talking donkey, okay? That's, that's this guy, okay? And in Numbers chapter 22, it's at the end of the Israelite people's 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Remember, they got across, got out of, into the beginning of the promise land, got out of captivity, and then they started complaining, and God said, okay, why don't you walk a little while? Forty years later, they're almost ready to completely inherit the promised land, and they're, they're at the edge, they're at the borders of the nations of Moab and Midian. And the king of Moab is this guy, Balak, 
and he was afraid the Israelites uh, were going to wipe them out. And so he had a friend that told him about this guy. And so he sent for this free agent prophet, all right, and named Balaam to come and curse them. And we know that Balaam was a free agent prophet because he was apparently much like Simon the sorcerer that we read about in the book of Acts, who just saw an opportunity. Simon the sorcerer in the book of Acts, and he saw it as the church is starting to grow and people are getting in line and getting baptized. He saw it as an opportunity. Man, I get, I get hooked up with those. Those are all future clients. If I can just get hooked up with those people. And so Simon went, got baptized and didn't change anything else about his life. And then he got confronted about that. Balaam's that same kind of guy. He, he wants to be a prophet, but he's kind of a free agent prophet. He'll go to the highest bidder. I know that he's not a true prophet of God because of one thing. Here's how I know. Because when Balak approached him and said, here's what I need you to do. I will, we will pay you X amount of gold, silver. He said, all these things. We will pay you this if you will curse the Israelite people, the people of God, and keep them from moving into this land. I know that he was a free agent prophet because the very fact that he entertained the idea proves that he wasn't really a prophet of God. He was just trying to, whoever's the highest bidder, because he said to him, he didn't say, no way, there's no way I'm going to do that. He said this. He said, he said, you guys wait right here. Let me go tonight and pray about it, and I'll ask God. The fact that he asked, the fact that he asked God, is it okay with you if I curse your people? What? Think about the logic behind that. Now, to his credit, what happened was he prayed, he heard the voice of God, and he came back and he told Balak and his advisors, he said, I can't do it because God says that the only words that will come out of my mouth are his words, and so there's no way that I can curse his people. And they said, well, let's sweeten the offer a little bit. Why don't you go pray about it some more? Balaam, get, okay, let me go pray about it some more. He's still not getting the God thing here. He's, okay, let me go for the same thing, same result. Does this three times, all right? Finally, it doesn't work at all. Finally, it's not going to work. Balaam says, look, there's no way. There is no way that God is going to let me, let, uh, let me curse his people. Let's do this. And we know the follow-up to it because it's recorded in Jewish tradition and the Bible refers to it several other times. The Balaam encouraged Balak, rather than to pray curses, to trap the people of God, to suck them into things like... He said, why don't you start selling the meat that was sacrificed to idols? Just a little bit. Open up a deli, if you would. <laughs> a post-worship deli. Yeah, here, come. After, after all this meat's been sacrificed, here, come and we'll, we'll load you up with food. And God said, you can't do that. So Balaam's starting to do his own, like, okay, here's, here's the thing. We'll, we'll suck them in. And then we'll get the people who know, that, who know that they're not supposed to eat this meat, but it smells really good. You know what it's like when, you're like when you're out somewhere, like you're in a mall area, and you didn't really intend to go eat, but you're walking, and there's a restaurant close by, and you can smell it, and you're like, oh, that smells really, really good. And you're enticed, and maybe we do need to stop and eat. You know, imagine like right now, if it smelled like roast beef in here, I mean really like good roast beef and all of a sudden that's all you can think about that's all you can think about and you're enticed to compromise on what you have as a principle the other thing that Balaam encouraged him is hey you know some of these guys have been walking 40 years some of these men have been walking 40 years 
what if we what if we set it up to where when they when they get here and they come to worship they can get they can eat of this meat that's sacrificed to us but they can also get a woman and they set up sex trade as as a part of this this religious supposedly experience see Balaam convinced Balak to do this which was an effort to convince people to compromise because compromise is the beginning of the end and you see when they were trying when he was doing it with the meat that had been sacrificed to idols that's a spiritual compromise when he starts to offer women and young women, that's a moral compromise, a sexual compromise. And our world today is wrapped up in that, wrapped up in that compromise of things. And, and here's how compromise works. Compromise is a slow fade. Satan wants to take us from where we are to where he wants us to be. And he knows that some of, the, some of these things, they wouldn't have happened overnight. It took some time. It took some some progression. And we are in this series right now that we're looking at these letters that are in the last book of the Bible, in the book of Revelation. And you're wondering, what's all this got to do? Well, what what Jesus is going to talk about in this letter today is all referencing what happened in Numbers 22 through 25, okay? So if you've got your Bibles, get them out. We're going to read through that. But in this series, what we're doing is like, we're, we're, we're being challenged that, okay, God has done what God needed to do. He provided salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. He told us how to live and it's up to us. That, that's, that's why we're calling it. It's up to us to follow God's lead and to make right choices in our life and in the way that we live our life. So let's look in Revelation chapter 2. We're going to be starting in verse 12 this week, okay? These are the words of Jesus recorded by his friend John. Write this letter to the angel of the church at Pergamum. This is the message from the one with the sharp two-edged sword. Now, remember... In Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews talked about the word of God was as sharp as a two-edged sword, cutting through the very bone and marrow to the heart of the situation. And so Jesus says, here is the one who out of his mouth is that two-edged sword. It's also the word. And what's interesting is what Jesus referred to over and over again in the New Testament as the word, and the word became flesh. And so this word out of his mouth is this two-edged sword. He's saying, he's saying, hey, church of Pergamon, this is who's talking. Remember, the one who, of the word, the one with the sharp two-edged sword is telling you these things. And then he goes on and says, verse 13, I know that you live in the city where Satan has its throne has his throne. And yet you remained loyal to me. Way to go. You refused to deny me when Antipas, my faithful witness, one of the members of the church there, was martyred among you there in Satan's city. But I have a few complaints against you. You tolerate some among you whose teaching is like that of Balaam, remember Numbers 22, who showed Balak how to trip up the people of Israel. He taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and by committing sexual sin. In a similar way, you have uh, some Nicolaitans uh, among you who follow the same teaching. Repent of your sin. I will come to you, or I will come to you suddenly and fight against them with that sword of my mouth. 
Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give some of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven, and I will give to each one a white stone, and on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. So Jesus starts off just like he did with the church at Ephesus and says, you've done some good stuff. He said, you've done some good things and I noticed those and I want to commend you on that. But there's some stuff you've got to work on. So maybe the first thing we need to do is, where's Pergamum? What's this church at Pergamum? We've shown you maps the last couple weeks of how the the seven churches are all on the western coast uh, of Asia at the time, what is now Turkey. And and Patmos was the island where he's writing. And then you come in and the first city was was Ephesus. Uh, And well, Pergamum is about, actually about 80 miles straight north of Ephesus, but it's inland a little bit. It's not a, it is not a goal or a coastal town where commerce can really take place like it could in other places. It's the northernmost of the seven churches that are written to, but in its origin, it was the capital of Asia, and it was built on, it's really interesting, it's built on this naturally cone-shaped hill, this hill that starts really like a cone, if you imagine, and then it gets up to a certain height, about a thousand feet above the valley, and then it's like somebody chopped the top of the hill off and made it flat, kind of like in eastern Kentucky, when they come in and strip mine the top of a mountain and so that would but it was a natural thing this cone-shaped hill and at the top of it it's flat and that's where they built this city it was a perfect place because you could see you could see invading armies or anybody coming from distance away from the top of that hill it had all this amazing architecture some of the pictures that are on the screen of all these columns and then you think about these things being constructed in that day and time and and, and pulled up and, and leaned up it's it's amazing that some of the structures of there. It was home to the second largest library in the world at that time. They had thousands and thousands of scrolls. So I think it's really interesting that to a town that was known for its library, known for its word, Jesus begins this letter talking about, hey, I'm the one with the sword in the mouth. I've got some words for you that you need to really hear. And it it was home to the throne of Satan. It was actually actually supposed to originally be the throne of Zeus. It's in the temple of Zeus. And if you notice this picture of it, you can kind of see the two wings of it. Imagine kind of like armrest on an, on a wing chair, okay? And it's got the got the steps in front of it. It's kind of like a footstool, and so it became known as the throne of Satan. And Jesus says he's going to come with that two-edged sword, and he's going to cut through everything. And so, to a place with a huge library that's known for its words, Jesus said, "I got some words for you." And he starts off with some positive words. If you look back there, starting in verse 12 especially, uh, excuse me, in verse 13 especially, he gives them some positive words. He says, you guys stood strong against outside opposition even when they were close to the throne of Satan in the temple of Zeus. You guys stood strong. In other words, when people, the, the church there, when these outside, these originally these outside non, non-God-fearing evil influences came, they, they like, nope, nope. They, they stood strong. They locked arms. They locked arms. It's kind of like... It's kind of like, how many of you had a sibling growing up? Who had siblings? All right. Anybody fight with your siblings? 
I'm not talking about talk. I'm talking about like rolling in the dirt, fight with your siblings, all right? All right? You know, like that. Now, what happened if somebody else tried to roll in the dirt, fight with one of your siblings? Uh-uh, no way. God gave them to me as my punching bag. You're not going to fight with them. You take on them, you got both of us, or you got all of us, or whatever. Because there's something about that. When there's this outside attack, when there's this outside bully from the neighborhood or whatever, then the family like locks arms and let's go, let's go. But when something gets on the inside, all of a sudden compromise starts happening. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, siblings can start siding with other siblings, and it's not a united front. And so that's what's happening when the church is getting attacked with things from the outside. The church at Bergen, they're like, they're like, let's go, let's go. But then stuff starts happening. So he says, "But I commend you for standing up against those outside attacks, even when those outside attackers that were trying to get you to bow down and worship these idols." And Antipas, who was one of the members of the church at there uh, at Pergamum wouldn't do it. He was kind of like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they stood in front of Nebuchadnezzar and said, we won't bow down. He threw him in the fiery furnace. Well, they took Antipas and they threw him in the kettle where they usually burned incense uh, as a sacrifice to God. And that's how Antipas died. So that when he's, when he's dying and when he screams, they actually came out through that kettle and up through this, this, this statue of a bull that was above it. And, and th- it was horrible. And they stood firm. And so Jesus says, way to go. Way to go. Way to stand firm in the midst of some pretty serious stuff. But he says, but then I got these things against you. I got these things against you. You were standing firm as brothers, and then all of a sudden stuff started getting the inside, and and you're not as firm. You're not not as firm. The problem here is they're not just in the world the problems are now in the church. See, it was one thing when the problems and, the, and the, the temptations and the difficulty were coming from the outside, but when they're from the inside, it, it, it's different. Being willing to stand against the outside and ignore the inside is a sign of compromise. And compromise is a hand slow played by Satan. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about, do you? You never played poker. Some of you know full well. See, if you're playing a game of poker or a game of cards, one of the strategies is to slow play a hand. And by that, what, we, what they mean is, is if you just immediately, all of a sudden you look and you've got all aces and, and you bet everything you got, everybody else on the table, they're, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, because they're going like, something's up. If they're, 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 but like if you just a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, and you suck them in and they start thinking you really don't have that much and they've got a better hand and all of a sudden they've bet everything and then you drop the bombshell on them, that's slow playing a hand. That's exactly what Satan loves to do with us. Because if he came at us with everything all at once, we'd like, no way, no way. If this is where you're standing in life and Satan comes at you and tries to get you in one giant leap over here, no way, no way are you doing that. But when he slow plays you through compromise and you take a little bit of step this way, and then a little bit of step this way, and then a little bit of step this way, and a little bit farther, and a little bit farther, and a little bit farther, and all of a sudden that last step, that last step 
isn't much of a step at all. You got slow played into compromise. And Jesus says that's exactly what was happening to this church at Pergamon. And it's an interesting progression. In that very first week when we looked at this, when we looked at the church at Ephesus, Jesus said they were doing some good stuff, but you just don't love me like you used to. Remember we talked about you lost that loving feeling. And then last week, Jason talked to you about the church at Smyrna that stood really strong against some external enemies. And because of that, they got persecuted. They got attacked because of their strong stand. And now we move on in the church at Pergamon. They were standing firm against some of those outside enemies. But now some of that outside stuff is on the inside and they're starting to compromise. They no longer have a common enemy. They're bringing the sins of the world into worship. And then you've got this, Jesus says, you've fallen into the same trap that they did when Balaam convinced Balak to do things he shouldn't have done. And you look back at the text and Jesus, he taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and by committing sexual sin. See, they, there was a time when the idea of eating meat sacrificed to idols, they would have, the people would have laughed, no way! but they got slow played into compromise. The idea of, of, of having sex and selling sex in, in a place of worship, no way. But they got slow played in that. And then now that, one, now that it started happening in places where it's no wonder today that it's happening everywhere. And we got to understand that this is Jesus, the words of the one with the double-edged sword. And he's saying, guys, here, remember how this all started? Sex is from God. And all God's people said, amen. It's a good thing. I thought somebody would be happy anyway. Anyway, it's a good thing. We can celebrate it as long as it's God's way. What's God's way? Anything that is sex outside of the confines of biblical marriage between a man and a woman, anything that's outside of God's way is sin. Period. That's it. Now, God still loves you, and he still offers forgiveness, but we've got to own our stuff. And that was what was even going on now in this church. In this church, guys. It, it was being, it was being, it was kind of like that was the center of this horrible, sinful lifestyle. And it's all because of compromise. So what do we do about that? I think the bottom line is, we all have to figure out how to avoid spiritual compromise, whatever our compromise is. Because as we've been talking about for the last several weeks, all of us are tempted differently, and your compromise and my compromise might not be the same compromise, but I think there are some commonalities to where things that we can do to avoid spiritual compromise. The first one is this, to know God's truth. To know God's truth. That's why we keep pushing. Get in Bible study. Get involved. Know God's truth. Paul told Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, but who can rightly divide the word of truth. Know what God says is true. Know what it says. Read about it. Meditate on it. Ponder on it. Memorize it so that it's in your heart. So that when those temptations to compromise come up, you can go straight to the truth that is the Word of God. Know the truth. 
know God's truth. The second thing, it doesn't do you any good to know God's truth if you're not willing to submit to God's truth. See, we're so guilty of consuming culture over consuming Christ. We have to agree. You have to come to a point that God's ways are the best ways. God can't just be your God when the plane's going down. God just can't be your God when, when somebody's sick and you want him to be here. God can't just be your God when you got a prodigal child. God can't just be your God when your marriage is struggling. We've got to understand that God's ways are always the best ways. And so we've got to know God's truth and submit to God's truth. The third thing we need to do if we're going to avoid spiritual compromise is we need to be aware of where you are vulnerable. What's your soft spot? What's your soft spot? That's why when Paul gave us the armor of God, put on the full armor of God, he gave a full armor of God because you might have one spot that's a weak spot and another one that's not so much of a weak spot. That's why people that are boxers, they're trained for boxing. If they are susceptible to a left hook, their trainer, their coach is going to teach them to put themselves in a position where their opponent can't throw a left hook because they're out of position to do that because that's their soft spot. That's what they're not good at. And we've got to know where our soft spots are where we're vulnerable and we've got to put on the full armor of God and part of that part of that is in our minds and we've got to be willing to take every thought captive that's what the Bible says take every thought captive now because those those things that cause us to compromise where do they start right here they start right here they start right here and we start thinking about something and all of a sudden we start acting on it and if we take those thoughts captive they never get to action and so we've got to be aware of where we're vulnerable. We've got to know God's truth, submit to God's truth, know where we're vulnerable. And then we've got to decide before you are challenged. Decide before you are challenged what you're going to do in a given situation. Let's just say something simple as it's first of the year and some of you are on diets and you've made that commitment and and some of you some of you made a commitment to a no carb or a low carb diet and then you showed up at church today and they told you that there's a pasta dinner as soon as church is over today. And what are you going to do? I've got great news. They've got salad down there too. You just got to make up your mind ahead of time how you're going to face certain challenges and how you're not going to put yourselves in certain positions. I know what this thing can do with, with this whole thing the Church of Pergamum is talking about, about, about sexual sin. and that. That's why I met long, long, long ago, I made a commitment that there will never be a woman in my car alone with me except my wife, period. Amen. I'm not even going to put myself in that position. I don't do dinner. If I have to meet with a woman here at church, I make sure that my secretary is here and the door is at least partway open. I'm not going to put myself in that position. I'm not, because I'm not that good. <laughs> On my own, I'm not that good. There's no telling what I'd give in to. So I'm going to make up my mind ahead of time how to put up safeguards against the things that Satan could easily use to destroy me, destroy my family, maybe destroy a church. You got to figure it out ahead of time. Where are you vulnerable? And how are you going to put up the safeguards and decide beforehand about how you're going to act? 
And the last thing is find support. Find accountability. Find people that are going to be willing to challenge you when you step out of line and just make that decision. Like Joshua, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You guys can do basically what Joshua said in Joshua chapter 24. You guys can do whatever you want to do. You can go back and serve those other gods if you want to. How'd that work out for you? But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And we're going to set boundaries in place because missing the mark by even a little bit can cause big consequences. It can throw you off completely. See, what it really all comes down to is, you remember the saying? See if you guys can finish this saying. Close only counts in... It's amazing. The whole church knows that. If I had started a verse of Scripture, how many of them could fit in? That's a different thing. Close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. You know, if you miss a shot in basketball, or you drop a pass in football, and you defend yourself by pointing out how close you are, you still missed. You still missed. Because close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. I'll, I'll age myself a little bit here. I'll date myself. You remember, you remember Get Smart? Remember Maxwell Smart? I used to love it when he'd try something that didn't work. He goes, missed it by that much. We like to say, well, as long as I only miss it by that much, I'm pretty good. But you still missed. It's, it's, still, it's still a miss. Even in church, almost isn't enough. Close doesn't count. You know, like, I almost accepted Christ today. Missed. I almost got my life together. You missed. You, you barely miss a field goal. Man, the other night I'm watching that I felt so bad for that Dallas Cowboys kicker the other night. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Oh, my goodness. I couldn't believe. He missed four consecutive extra points, and they kept putting him out there. I wanted to pick up the phone and call Jerry Jones and say, like, leave the boy alone. Don't put him back out there. But the fifth time he made it. And this week, they said, he's our kicker. He'll be out there. See what happens if this is one today. I don't know. <laughs> but you barely miss a field goal. Guess how many points you get? Zero. You almost shoot the bad guy in a robbery, and you miss, and he still got away. You got that 14-point buck 50 yards in front of you. Some of you guys know what I'm saying. And you start shaking so bad, you think you're going to fall out of the tree. And you shoot, and it goes right over to you. still missed. You, you, you still missed. Yeah, in, school, in school, if the teacher said, how much is 2 plus 2? And you said 5. You're just as wrong as, you, as if you said 435. You still are wrong. You still missed. The truth is, you can be nearly right and still be wrong. Practically good, still be bad. Jesus said, those who are not for us are against us. If you aren't on, you're off, no matter how close you are, because close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. So the bottom line is this. Almost right is still wrong. 
almost right. It's still wrong. The, the church at Ephesus, I got some good things, but I got this against you. The church at Pergamon, you did really good, but I got this against you. Almost right is still wrong. Almost good is still bad. Almost moral is still immoral. Almost healthy is still unhealthy. Almost alive is still dead. We got to get it right. We got to get it right. And compromise will take us on a slow play to a bad place. We got to get it right. Would you guys stand with me? As we sing this song today, we're going to give you this last song. We're giving you an opportunity to make the same decision Rose made. Or maybe you just need somebody to pray with you this morning. Maybe after service you want to come up here and sign one of the membership covenants and say, I'm all in as far as the church. But let's make this a time of worship as we sing. If you need to talk to somebody, uh, Jason, Bobby, some others are back by the decision room. And we got some others that love to be with you, pray with you, encourage you. Let's worship. And if you need to get it right today, let's get it right. I'm calling on the God of Jacob Whose love endures through generations And I know that you will keep your covenants I'm calling on the God of Moses The one who opened up the ocean you now to do the same thing for me. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh rock. No rock, oh rock of ages. I'm standing on your
You answered prayers back then, and you will answer now. You are the same God. You are the same. Sir. You were providing then. You are providing now. You are the same God. You are the same you to compromise and you guys chose not to thanks for being here thanks for being it's your first time don't forget to stop out at the i'm new wall if you need to sign a membership covenant stop up here if you just need to talk or pray with somebody some of our guys are still back in the decision room let's make a difference in the world get out of here go love god love people and watch him change the world we'll see you guys